0: Hmm. Thank you. Somebody was planted and definitely started that. So, wonderful, wonderful. Uh, You all sounded way better when you were worshiping Jesus, so I'm just putting it out there. Okay. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Advent seasons. As we start counting down towards Christmas, we are excited to dig into what could be a familiar story or a brand new story to you in some way, shape, or form, as we dive into four different themes over the next four weeks uh, called, you know, the Advent seasons. We've got hope, we've got love, we've got joy, and we've got peace, and we're going to be having some fun digging into all that. Maybe you noticed, but we've got some Christmas decorations happening, which is awesome. I just want to draw attention and give thanks to all the volunteers that helped spruce up this place. If I was left to do this on my own, it would be a tragedy. Let me tell you that, okay? So our, in particular, our studio team here has designed our, our Misfit toy shop over here on my right to your left, and what's going to be cool is we're going to be featuring a Misfit that we're going to be looking at as part of the Christmas story each and every week, and that, that's my friend Joe right there. We're going to look at uh, Joseph, and it's going to be a lot of fun together. Really quick question. Have you ever been on the outside looking in before? Okay, I want you to bring a memory to mind. I'm not going to ask you to share those memories, but I want to bring a memory to mind where you felt like you were on the outside looking in. For me, the first time that I can remember, I was 16 years old, grade 11. We were in the middle of basketball trials. You need to know this about 16-year-old Jason. He was wholly devoted to the sport of basketball. I would get up early in the morning. I would go to school early so I could shoot hoops for 90 minutes before my classes started. Then after school, I would stay for another 90 minutes because I would beg and plead for the phys ed teachers to lend me their keys so I could lower the hoops down and I would do my shooting routine for another 90 minutes. I was committed to the sport of basketball. Grade 11 year, we were heading into what could have been an amazing season. And wouldn't you know... Little old Jason, well, he was younger at that time. Little young Jason got cut from the the basketball team. I didn't make it. I was devastated. I had trained with these guys, and I think I trained even more than some of the guys that made the team. I remember driving home with my mom, and I was crying because they didn't make a team. All of my friends were on the team, and I was on the outside looking in. Not only that, but my My whole plan for my life completely changed. I was no longer going to make the NBA. It was so weird. That was the moment. Me and Michael Jordan, we have that in common. We were cut by our high school basketball team. He kept going and I didn't persevere. That's the only reason why (laughs) I am not in the NBA right now. Not that I'm 5'9", not that I'm from Canada or anything like that. It's because I didn't persevere like Michael Jordan now here 's the thing: when we face one of those outside looking in moments, it, be- can, it can become a wound that shapes our trajectory moving forward positively or negatively. We in that moment are a misfit because we don 't know where we belong so we 're going to be looking at these misfits over the next four weeks in this in this Advent series that we called the Land of Misfit Toys. So if you've got a Bible with you, I want to invite you to turn with me to the book of Matthew. Chapter 1, verses 18 through 24. We're going to look into the story of Joseph, this, this adopted father of baby Jesus. So we're going to see what we can uncover together about what it means to be a misfit. What it means to have hope in the midst of these challenges through the lens and the story of Joseph. Just two quick reminders. If you don't have a Bible, come see me or one of our staff team at the Next Steps kiosk in the lobby or write into us if you're online and you're like, I don't have a Bible or you have a version of the Bible you don't understand. We want to gift one to you. We want to gift one to you so that you can have it for yourself, read it, learn from it, study it, ask your questions to your friends and family about it. Or if you have your mobile device, my favorite Bible reading app is UVersion, and we actually use that every single week here at Sea road If you open up UVersion Bible reading app and click on the more section in the events section, you can go and see a Sea C-Road live indicator, and that happens every Sunday, and then, it, and then it goes stale afterwards. So if you go back on like a Wednesday and you're looking for it, it's no longer there. It's only live on Sundays. And what you could do is follow along on our sermon notes, get some ideas there, some of the points and thoughts, and figure out how long you're going to have to suffer in in the next few moments. Verses 18 through 24, they read like this from the book of Matthew. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Then Joseph woke up, and he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. So for some, of that, for some of us, this might be a familiar portion of the Christmas story. For others of us, maybe it's brand new. And in either case, we're going to have a little bit of fun here together as we uncover what does Joseph have to do with this idea and theme of misfits and Christmas and hope and all that good stuff. Really quick question about Joseph. If you're familiar with this character of Joseph, you've heard about him. He's known to have a certain vocation. If you know what that vocation is, just yell it out at me. Carpenter. Carpenter is this English translation from this word. We're going to do a little bit of word sleuthing here. The actual word that we get carpenter from is a Greek noun called tecton. Now, tecton is super fascinating. It means um, a variety of different things, including my favorite expression, which is actually builder. So Joseph's job would have been to build great things. When we think carpenter here in North America, we think a woodworker, and that is part of what a builder can do, but it's not the only thing a builder can do. What's really fascinating is is as you study the life of Jesus, he talks a lot about stones and rocks and different things, and that's probably because he was also trained to work with those materials in addition to working with wood and all these other Elements that were at play in his environment. So Joseph was this trained builder. He was able to craft things and make things. He was a fascinating individual. How we get the word carpenter is in the 1500s when we got our first English translation of the Bible. We looked at the Latin text and the German translation and we were like, oh, we need a great word to describe what it means to build things. And we selected the word carpenter. The translation was happening in the U.K., and when you look for a carpenter in the U.K., you're looking for a master craftsman that can do more than one thing. It's fascinating to understand this is, this is the realm and the environment that Joseph would have raised his adopted son Jesus in to be a builder just like his dad. Now, there's two parts of this story that I want to highlight for us. The first is this, dream-crushing moments. Dream-crushing moments. Imagine being Joseph in this scene and in this scenario where your fiance comes to you and say, guess what? We've got to talk. All right, what are we talking about? I'm with child. Say, what? See, Joseph knows how babies are made. And if you don't know how babies are made, please go ask your mom and your dad after Sunday and they will instruct you how, how babies are made And so Joseph knows how babies are made. And and there would be a sense of betrayal, violation, frustration, anger, angst, a whole bunch of stuff, sadness, grief. When you hear that, like if Bonnie would come to me and say, Jason, we're pregnant. And I'm like, wait a minute, what do you say we? What's going on here? I don't remember participating in anything. What is happening right now? We already have five kids. Please don't make it six. <laughs> Those would be some of the thoughts running through my heart and my mind. Anxiety. How are we going to pay for this? What are we going to do? Well, Joseph it took it to a whole other level because culturally speaking, there was an expectation that when a husband and wife would get together, that would be, uh, there would be purity before the marriage bed. There's an expectation that children wouldn't be conceived until actual, the actual union would, would be connected and viable. And so in this scenario, when Joseph's like, listen, I know that you and I, Mary, have not slept together. And you're telling me, you're telling me that you're pregnant and that's a supernatural thing. Okay. Talk about a dream-crushing moment. See, in order to to win Mary as his bride, there would have been a a family-to-family negotiation that had taken place where Joseph's family and Mary's family would have talked about what it looked like to merge their two families together. It's not just a one person, a a male and a female involved in this conversation. There are, are different variations and ripple effects of the community involved in this. Family, small towns in which they grew up, everyone would have been kind of noticed what was happening. Like if Mary was walking through the market and everybody knew that she was promised to Joseph and another, you know, another bachelor was like noticed her and said, "Ooh, I would love to marry that gal." She was spoken for. She was off limits. She was betrothed to somebody else. So there's this layers of connection that are sometimes foreign for us here in our world today because our our cultures is different. And so to have that initial conversation where Mary is telling Joseph, probably with a lot of joy, but maybe some fear and anxiety, hey, I'm pregnant. Usually that should be an exciting thing for a couple to experience. And in this moment, probably wasn't. Here's what else we know about Joseph, is he loved her so much that instead of dragging her out in a public way to humiliate her and her family and everybody else, he decided that what he was going to do and the best way forward was just to end the relationship quietly. That was his dream-crushing moment. Everything that he had thought that they could do and they could start their life together, it was going to look different moving forward. If you talk to a couple that starts their marriage with a child already marriage is hard enough you add a third person into that environment one that's really needy and needs all the attention and gets all the cuddles and all the kisses and all the diaper changes like all that stuff it can be hard to create a layer of connection and a layer of intimacy as a young couple and that's exactly what is happening to this couple This dream-crushing moment. We weren't prepared for this, and now we are in it. When we think about our own moments where we've been left on the outside looking in, our own dream-crushing moments, maybe we can have some sort of affinity and emotional connection to what Joseph may have been experiencing. Where we, too, can feel the depths of depravity in that space and at that time and in that way. Where we too can ask questions of ourselves. Questions of a God that we know and serve. Or questions of a God that we maybe don't even believe exists. Why did this happen to me? Have you ever asked that? Why did this happen to me? Why now? Why in this way? Why are you doing this to me? See the truth is in life as a human being you will experience a dream-crushing moment, something that you are unprepared for. Maybe it's the loss of a child. Maybe it's the loss of a relationship. Maybe it's a financial crisis. Maybe it's a loss of vocation. Maybe it's a pandemic that you never planned for. Maybe it's a shift and a change. Maybe it's being overlooked in your vocation for a promotion. And in those dream-crushing moments, there's an invitation behind it all. An invitation to think differently, to hold on to hope in the midst of the pain and the suffering and the chaos. So Jason, how do you recognize that you are in a dream-crushing moment? If something is not going the way that you thought it would, That might be a dream-crushing moment. 16-year-old Jason, who had mapped out his post-secondary trajectory, knew which schools that he was looking at to go to to play basketball and hopefully get a scholarship to cover his tuition fees. Jason, in that moment, knew that that was no longer a reality. This game that I had devoted my life to, given myself for, Gotten up early, like a teenager that gets up early to do something. Come on, that's special. 5.30 a.m. to ride the bus, to take the train, to ride another bus, to get to school to shoot for 90 minutes. And in that moment, everything faded. I didn't know who I was. And I got to think that Joseph was in a very similar way. In a similar framework of mind, where he didn't know where he was. He was a builder who was getting ready to marry the love of his life and start a family together and do all these incredible things, and now she's pregnant and he had nothing to do with it. For some of us, when we face a dream-crushing moment, what ends up happening is we nurture that wound and let it fester. What happens over time in our human bodies, if, if I were to cut my finger right now and I were to not tend the wound and I would nurture that wound and keep it open, over time, things like gangrene can set in. What gangrene does is gangrene starts to eat away at that portion of your body. And if you don't take care of it, over time, that gangrene, that infection, will spread throughout your entire anatomy. It's like when you're doing trauma intervention with somebody in the ER. You're always looking for how infection spreads. And when the infection gets into the bloodstream, it can land anywhere in the anatomy. Here's what happens to us as human beings. When that infection gets into our hearts, when that soul-crushing moment, dream-crushing moment becomes so overwhelming and we don't know what to do with it, and instead of releasing the pain, we hang on to it, we nurture it, we let it grow, we let it fester, When when it gets... Woven into the fabric of our heart and in the fabric of our being, it can create chaos in the entirety of our anatomy. What I mean by that is that it can reshape the way that we think about the world. Imagine for a moment every single conversation Mary and Joseph would have had with one another from that point moving forward. When Mary would use the phrase, "Hey Joe," use the phrase, "Hey Joseph, let's let's talk." Don't you think he panicked a little bit? What's it going to be this time? Couldn't be worse than the last time. I spent $1,500 on Christmas decorations. You did what? That's what happens when we hang on to these dream-crushing moments and let them define who we are. Joseph could have been known as the guy who was left on the sidelines the guy on the outside looking in he could have he could have not known and recognized that he had a vital role to play and it's right in that moment of depravity that moment of pain where god meets him and speaks to him supernaturally through a dream and he speaks directly to joseph's fear joseph don't worry Mary is pregnant with child conceived by the Holy Spirit. See, when we allow our dream-crushing moments to be more of an invitation to understand what's going on around us or inside of us, what we're going to find out is that God is going to speak directly to that wound and to that pain. That doesn't mean it diminishes the wound and the pain in any way, but it reframes it in the mindset and in the eye frame of eternity. In the mindset and in the character of God. If God says something, God's going to follow through on something because that's who he is. He's not like us. He is perfect in every way. And so this dream sequence happens and it's at that moment that Joseph changes his reality from a a dream crushing moment to hope-infused trust, hope-infused trust. Hope is a powerful force in our world, super powerful. Hope makes us do crazy things. I hope that when I'm done today, my family will still love me. I hope that when I jump into the St. Lawrence River, a shark will not eat me. I hope that when I tell this person that I love them, that they will receive my overture of love and return it. Hope makes us do crazy things, wonderful things, but sometimes really crazy things. Hope infused trust. Hope in this moment makes Joseph put aside all of the pains and the wounds that he was carrying and trust that God has got a bigger plan in mind than what he could see in the moment. And so Joseph takes all these broken, tattered things of what his present and his future represents and trusts that God is going to make something beautiful out of it. See, without Joseph, there's certain key parts of the story of Jesus that just wouldn't have happened. Joseph was known as the son of David. That's how he's referred to in this dream by this angel, messenger from God, God himself. He's referred to as a son of David. That's super important because there are ancient Hebrew texts in the Bible that Joseph would have been aware of where it talks about the descendant, this Messiah that's going to save the world who will be a descendant of David, the greatest known king of the, the nation of Israel. And David, David was a part of a family line and he grew up in a small town called Bethlehem. And so all of the, the family members of his lineage would have been aware of this community and this area and this region that King David was from. That's what they were famous for. It's like Coal Harbor, Nova Scotia. It's famous for the birthplace of Sidney Crosby and Nathan McKinnon. That's it. Nothing else. Sidney Crosby, Nathan McKinnon. Hey, you're from Cole Harbor. Yes, Sidney Crosby and Nathan McKinnon are born there. You know, they're the guys that star in the Tim Hortons commercials. That's what it's known for. Bethlehem would have been known for the very same thing. Except that's where David was born. This hero of the Jewish community and the Jewish faith. This pinnacle of achievement. This father figure that they would have looked at and looked back on fondly. And so Joseph was a part of that line. He could trace back his lineage to be connected to King David in some way. So without Joseph, guess what? The birthplace of Jesus would not have been Bethlehem. Because here's what happened. There was a census that Rome kind of wanted to have. And they wanted to understand how many people were in their empire. So that they could raise taxes, of course. And so they, they invited everybody to go to their hometowns to be counted. So as a family member, as a descendant of David... Joseph was invited and in this case conscripted to go to Bethlehem with his now pregnant wife whom he hadn't slept with so that this child could be born in the place where the Messiah was supposed to come from. See, Joseph had a super important role to play and he would have missed it if he would have let his dream crushing moment define him instead of allowing it to lead him to hope-infused trust. And for you and I, when we are faced with those moments, those memories, those situations, and those circumstances, we have the same opportunity as Joseph to reframe our hurt, our pain, our wound, in the light of eternity and in the light of God's character. That is the beauty of Christmas. God is with us. He is Emmanuel. We never have to be afraid of being alone. We never have to be afraid that we're going to do something so tragic that God is going to disown us. He still wants to pursue us. He still wants to have love and and, and a love connection and a relationship and intimacy with who we are despite what we have done, are doing, or will do in the future. And when these dream crushing moments happen, they're actually invitations to experience greater levels of intimacy with the one who created us than they are about anything else. Because sometimes, for honest, we fixate too much on the dream rather than the dream giver. 16 year old Jason was convinced that I was going to be an NBA All Star player and make millions and millions and millions of dollars. All for good things, of course. I was going to be very charitable with my givings after I had all that I needed and wanted, of course. 16-year-old Jason learned in that moment that there was more to life than what I knew and what I'd given my life to in that moment in, the term, in terms of the sport of basketball. 16-year-old Jason needed to recognize and realize that God was inviting him into a lifelong adventure of loving him and loving other people. And even though that 16-year-old kid never thought that he would fit in an environment or a situation or a set of circumstances, the one who created him saw things much more differently and much more holistically than what I could see. See, and the truth is we are similarly wired in that way. Your dream-crushing moment could be vastly different than mine. Some of you are going like, really, you didn't make a basketball team? That's your dream-crushing moment? Let me tell you about pain. You can tell me later, okay? Or just send me an email, jason at zero.ca. I don't drink coffee, so you can buy me tea if you want. We can have tea. I get it. Some of your dream-crushing moments are more real But for me as a 16 year old kid, that was real. That was everything. And there's much more life than playing basketball, and I've discovered that now. Hockey's a wonderful sport. (laughs) (laughs) But so is being a father. So is being a friend. So is being a pastor. So is being a good neighbor. So is being a good citizen so is being a child of God. In our dream-crushing moments, when our pain is almost overwhelming, there are still traces of an invitation to experience a hope-infused trust. If we are willing, if we are willing To let God speak right into our wounds. To speak into our pains. To speak into our shortcomings, our misconceptions, and even our misunderstandings. That's one of the main truths and powerful elements of the Christmas season. God is with us. He's not beyond us. He is with us. He's willing to jump into the muck right with you. And he's the only one that can not only pull you out, but also clean you up and restore you. He's the only one that can clean me up and restore me. I can try and do it on my own, but but there's nothing that I can do that will ever be good enough without the power of Jesus working in my life and through my life. It's crazy to think how a baby changes everything, but it absolutely does. You ask any young couple who has desperately been waiting for the moment to be parents, and the baby changes everything. You ask a couple who has lost a child, and a baby changes everything. You go to the grocery store, and a baby changes everything. Everything, intimacy, connections, a baby changes everything. The cool thing in this story with Joseph and Mary is this baby and the news about the baby could have changed everything for the worse. Instead, it changed everything for the better. Because there was an invitation to experience hope-infused trust. Okay, God, I don't understand how you can do immaculate conception. I know how babies are made, but if if Mary's saying she's with child and she's been faithful to me, I'm going to trust you. Not only I'm going to trust you in the moment, I'm going to trust you until after this baby is born, and then we'll try and make babies of our own. That's hope-infused trust. So my question to you here today is simply this. Where do you, where do I need to experience hope today? What part of our lives, where is it missing in our lives? Is, is, it, in, is it in a memory? Is it in a, is it in a memory that we've carried with us for decades forward and, and we don't understand why we want, had to go through that experience and we've We've been harboring the uncertainty, the, the disconnect with Jesus and even the pain for way too long, and we need hope to be infused in that situation. Is it a pending a pending issue medically? Financially, relationally? Is the fact that you thought that God was going to give you a baby by now and you're not yet with child or don't haven't been provided a child in, in some other means? Is that the moment where you need hope infused? Or you're worried about Monday when the insurance bill comes out and you're like, man, I I hope things don't bounce. I think that every single one of us could look at a part of our life and see a moment where we need hope. For some of us, it's like, well, I really like this person, and I'd like them to, to know how I feel about them. You need hope in that situation. For some of you, you're like, man, I don't get chemistry in, in high school. I need to figure that out. You need hope in that situation. For others, others of us, it's more practical in nature. In our set of circumstances. We need hope that we're going to figure out how to get through this divide that we have in our marriage. We need hope to figure out how do we love and care for the people in our life who don't yet believe in Jesus like I do. We need hope that, that God is going to continue to chase after them and lovingly draw them into his presence. The truth is we need hope in every facet of our lives. And so we're going to pray into and pray for that very thing right in this moment. So what I'm going to invite you to do is over these next kind of 15 to 20 seconds, and you at home can play along as well. If you are, if you have an answer to that question of where is hope missing in my life today, if you have a burden or a need, I'm not going to ask you to express it verbally, but I'm going to ask you to express it physically. And what that means is I'm just going to ask you to stand up. So in a few moments, when we go to our time of prayer, if you are an individual that's like, I need hope in this part of my life right now, I'm just going to ask you to stand. And as we pray, I'm going to pray for all of those people who are standing specifically around the theme of hope. Now some of you are like, Jason, that's cool, but I ain't standing. There's no way, and that's fine. If you need hope, God knows that you need hope. I'm just going to be praying specifically in partnership with those who are standing. You can still pray and call out to God. I won't know that you're needing it, but he will. And that's a wonderful thing. So if you are able and if you desire to be prayed specifically for hope-infused trust in whatever you're walking through in this moment of time in your life, would you please stand as we go to a time of prayer? Father, I am am humbled by the way that you are willing to speak into and through all of the chaos and the messes that we create in our own lives, in the lives of other people. Father, I'm thankful that the hope that can be found in you is never small enough. It's, It's larger than what we think, and it's greater than what we even need. Sometimes it takes a simple act of declaration, Jesus, to start the process. Maybe not unlike Joseph, who heard this news that his fiance was pregnant and he had nothing to do with it. And now he's devastated. I have to believe that he cried out in some fashion, internally or externally, like, what is going on? And you met him there. And you spoke into his pain and uncertainty and fear. And so in Jesus' name, I pray that you would speak into our own pains, uncertainties, and fears. Father, for those of us who are afraid that we are unlovable, would you help us to see ourselves how you see us as one who is worthy of love? For those of us who are afraid that our lives don't matter and haven't amounted to anything significantly, because they're far different than what we had dreamt that we would be about. For those of us in that space looking for significance and worth, would you allow us the privilege of seeing what it means to live a life in a kingdom mindset and perspective? For those of us who are harboring these wounds and these pains, painful things that maybe people have said to us or painful things that maybe people have done to us, I pray, Lord Jesus, that instead of living in the, the, the land of dream-crushing realities as a misfit toy, that we would understand and we would recognize that you can do incredible things Even through the pain that we've endured, sometimes they're invitations to experience your provision and your protection in new and deeper ways. And so, in Jesus' name, for the pains that need to be healed, would this season start something new and fresh? Would they become conduits of hope instead of frameworks of torture? Jesus, we're so thankful for who you are. We're thankful for the reality that a baby changes everything. We're thankful for you, King Jesus, who are Messiah and Savior of all, who has the power to do incredible things and the restraint to allow life to unfold when you are not invited into spaces and hearts and minds. So if there's anybody here today, Jesus, that does not yet know who you are, I pray that they would see this moment as a hope-infused trust experience where they can explore what it means to do life in partnership and in tandem with you. Father, will you change lives and change hearts? May you bless and protect us. May you make your face shine upon us. May you make your face Turn towards us and grant us your favor and your peace. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.